If you have kids, or even if you've ever been around kids for any length of time, you know that they can be both terribly needy and terribly demanding. From the first moment you meet your little bundle of joy, the experience becomes a long stream of cries for help. Feed me, change me, burp me, entertain me. It reminds me a bit of that scene from the early 90s animated film Aladdin. The genie, hilariously voiced by Robin Williams, gets asked what he would wish for. And surprised, he thoughtfully responds with one word, freedom. And that's when Robin Williams' sense of humor takes over again and he says, But oh, to be free. Not to have to go, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Every single parent, especially new moms, are constantly saying, poof, what do you need? But, I mean, let's be honest. We're all needy, even us grown-ups. In the title of this episode, I'll let you know that I'd be talking about a tale of two Abrahams. The first Abraham was a brilliant young psychologist who, nearly a hundred years ago, became so fascinated by our neediness that he spent a lifetime developing a theory about it. And we call his theory... Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. In the introduction to the third edition of Maslow's book, Toward a Psychology of Being, Professor Richard Lowry of Vassar College points out that Maslow almost single-handedly revised our understanding of human motivation with two simple observations. First, at virtually every waking moment, we are host to one motive or another even though the motive might sometimes be so faint as to be scarcely noticed. Moreover, as soon as one motive is satisfied, another immediately pops up to take its place. Second, these various motives, order of succession is dictated by the fact that some motives are simply more biologically urgent than others. It's kind of a built-in prioritization. These needs are hierarchically structured and their arrangement within the hierarchy is defined by their respective levels of urgency, intensity, or priority. So in summary, our first Abraham, Maslow, says that all people have at least five basic needs. Now you can Google Maslow's hierarchy and find a gajillion pictures of this, but if you'd rather write it down yourself, they are in a pyramid-style order of urgency and importance, starting at the bottom, Number one, physical, which is food, clothing, shelter, etc. Number two, safety. That's a sense of security or hope, etc. Number three, love and belonging. That's all about relationships. Number four, esteem. That's both for ourselves and from others. And number five, self-actualization, which I'm going to extremely oversimplify by calling it purpose. Please note, nasty letters concerning this decision to oversimplify, can be addressed to Miss Lyra Cavapoo, the head of our complaint department. Lowry explains that when any two motives are calling for satisfaction at the same time, it's the more biologically urgent and clamorous that takes priority, and the less urgent that gets pushed back behind the scenes. So, Higher needs at the top of the pyramid are not then secondary or, or derivative They're simply less urgent. It's also important to recognize that in Abraham Maslow's theory, the first four levels of basic needs all have one very important characteristic in common. It's that they're all needs for something. 
their motivations that are activated by deficiency. So all of us tend to make deficiency-motivated demands upon the world around us, and we're often subconsciously driven by deficiency-motivated fears and suspicions. Infants' needs like feed me, change me, burp me, entertain me become adult needs like feed me, protect me, love me, respect me, or at least don't stand in my way as I try to fill those need deficiencies. So our first Abraham says we all have constant needs and those needs drive our behaviors. But there's another even more well-known and influential Abraham than Maslow, known in the Bible as God's friend and the father of many nations. Aside from Moses, no Old Testament character is mentioned more in the New Testament than the patriarch Abraham. He has quite a story, but the part that I want to emphasize is found in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is what theologians call the Abrahamic covenant, or God's covenant promise that he made with Abraham. Here it is. The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This passage of scripture is one of the key passages in the history of Israel and of the church today. And what I want you to see is the details of that very specific and deliberate list of things that God promised to Abraham and his offspring. So let's go over them one at a time. It's pretty easy to see because a promise is anything that the Lord says he will do. So we just look for the word will. Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. You have to understand that God has just asked Abraham to pack up and leave everything he's ever known. He's asked Abe to take a huge step of faith. But God is assuring him that this is a very specific place and that Abraham can leave all the details and all the arrangements to God himself. Think about it like this. Have you ever had to meet someone at a place that you've never been to before? Or have you ever relocated to a place you've never been to before? What made you willing to go even without knowing the details ahead of time? Well, for whatever reason, you trusted the one who had invited you to meet them, right? Verse 4 of Genesis 12 starts by simply saying, So Abraham went as the Lord told him. Abraham chose to trust that God had all of the arrangements taken care of ahead of time and that it was safe to say yes. What's the next promise? I will make you into a great nation. But notice that God says, I will make you into a great nation, instead of saying, I will make my people into a great nation. The key here is that Abraham is the father of the nation of Israel. He's not some political or military figure. He's family. The children of Israel are his offspring. It isn't about power and influence. It's about relationship. The next promise I will bless you. Hebrew words translated as bless occur 131 times in the New American Standard translation of the Old Testament. And more often than not, God's blessings were associated with things like food and clothing and shelter, etc. In fact, one of the names of God first found in Genesis chapter 22 verse 14 is Jehovah Jireh. 
which simply means the Lord will provide. Next, God says, I will make your name great. The history of Israel is one of extreme ups and downs. One of the lowest periods of Israel, biblically speaking, has to be when the entire nation was in exile. For all practical purposes, Israel at that time was the laughingstock of the known world. They were the subject of jokes and despised by their captors. They had no reason to hold their head up high. But God, who is rich in mercy, never ever forgot his covenant that he had made with them through Abraham. And so in Isaiah 61 verses 3 through 7, God promises that they will once again achieve honor and respect from those around them. He says they'll have twice the reason to hold their heads up high, to walk the land in confidence. So what's the fifth and final promise? God says that Abraham will be his chosen vessel of blessing to all the people of the earth. He will bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. Now, that's truly a powerful promise. And it's all about this covenant that God had made with them so long ago through Father Abraham. In Isaiah 61.7, God is, in a sense, reminding his people that he always keeps his word. No wonder he says that they will, quote, rejoice in their inheritance, end quote. I mean, you'd rejoice too if that was your promised inheritance. And that's really my point of this episode. That is the promised inheritance of every single believer, everyone who accepts Christ as Lord and Savior. Just look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 29. It says, quote, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. End quote. Those who belong to Christ, Scripture says, are the true children of Abraham. You are Abraham's heirs. And now all the promises God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12 belong to you. That's incredible in and of itself. But when you realize that it coincides perfectly with the deficiencies that our first Abraham, Maslow, spent his lifetime studying, well, that's beyond incredible. Abraham Maslow says we all have safety and security deficiencies. But God promised Father Abraham and his heirs I will show you. You can trust that God has it all arranged for you, and it's good. No, it's not always easy, but it's always good in the long run. Abraham Maslow says we all have a love and belonging deficiency, but God promised Father Abraham and his heirs, I will make you into a great nation. God gives us a family by adopting us as his children. Now we truly have a place where we belong. We're surrounded by the family of God, people who love us and care for us. And not only that, but we can contribute to the growth of this family by birthing new Christians into the family of God. Abraham Maslow says we all have physical deficiencies like food, clothing, shelter, etc. But God promised Father Abraham and his heirs, I will bless you. You can trust that Jehovah Jireh himself will take care of you providing access to food, clothing, shelter, and more. Abraham Maslow says we all have esteem deficiencies, but God promised Father Abraham and his heirs, I will make your name great. You can trust that God's plans for your life include both respect from others and a sense of self-respect because of who we are in Christ. 
And last but not least, Abraham Maslow says, we all have self-actualization or purpose deficiencies. But God promised Father Abraham and his heirs, you will be a blessing. You can trust that God has a purpose and a plan for your life, which he reiterated so beautifully in Jeremiah 29:11, a plan for you to be a blessing to others. It's no wonder that Paul told the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 19, quote, My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus, end quote. The tale of two Abrahams, one who points out the deficiency needs of every human and one who is promised by God to have each of those needs taken care of is one of my personal all-time favorite tales. I hope it becomes one of yours. Remember, a better mind always leads to a better life.